Encouraging us to pray for a pastor's heart, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. It's not a prayer that you would be a pastor. I'm not encouraging that. God will do that work in you. I'm not even asking you to pray that you'd pastor a church or be on some function of pastoral ministry. I'm asking you that you would pray for the heart of a pastor, that the sheep would have the shepherd's heart. Because that's what happens. When you hear the voice, remember everyone that's perfectly trained will what? Be like his master. So if you're hearing the shepherd's voice, then you're gonna get the shepherd's heart. And when you have the shepherd's heart, you're gonna care about the lost. This is amazing grace. Sheep without a shepherd. It's a familiar phrase, but it originates with Jesus when he saw sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion and quickly sought to care for them by enlisting his followers to help. But what is needed is true shepherds, not mere hirelings. That comes to our attention in a powerful way today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll open John chapter 10 as we continue in a series called With Shepherds Are Needed partly because of the dangers to unsuspecting sheep. Beginning with a case in point, here is Pastor Ed. Somebody's dad left a can of beer in the refrigerator, and three of us shared that. Three of us, three sixth graders, now we're big adults going into seventh grade, we shared that can of alcohol. I don't know what happened to the two other guys, but I'll tell you what happened to the third guy. It absolutely wrecked his life until he was 22 years old. And don't think for a moment by the time that guy turned 22 that it was just one can shared with three people. It was a progressive thing because I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't have any idea. Not only that, but I, was, I took that drink of alcohol against the way I was raised. I was raised to stay away from that stuff. The example of my parents was to stay away from that stuff. And you go, but Ed, there's so much freedom. I, I, I realize that. I exercise freedom too. But I also have to remember that my life speaks to other people. And what kind of message do I want to send? I have to remember that my enemy is real. Peter put it this way, that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter said that the devil is an adversary. So whatever he offers to you, he's like your enemy. He's like your enemy, making you lie to your parents, making you lie to your spouse, making you hide what's on the internet, making you like, what, what kind of life is that? As you notice in verse 9, back in verse 9, listen, the life of the shepherd, you go in and out whenever you want. You live in the light. You get to go in and out. That's, those, are word, those are words of relationship. Freedom. I think of going in and out. Like, like that's complete trust. You know, my, my oldest son, Eddie, when he moved out and got married, he moved out into his own house. It was right up the street here, actually. He moved out into his own house. But when he left, he kept a key to our house. Not only did he carry a key to our house, but he also knew the code to the alarm and to the garage. And so what that meant was he could come and go as much as he wanted, any time of the day or night. He could get into the house. He could come in the garage. He was not only given permission and access. Why? Because of our relationship. He could come anytime. 
We didn't take the key back from him. We didn't change the code. Why? Because he's our son. And our son and our, my sons and daughter, my wife, everyone, my family's always welcome to my house. Why? They could come in and out. They could come in and out anytime they want because they're my kids. They have freedom. I would never call the cops on him. Well, actually, he was a cop, so I guess if I called the cops on him, I'd be calling him on him, and that wouldn't work. But we wouldn't call the cops on him. We wouldn't yell at him to get out of the house. He could come in and out. He didn't have to be deceptive. He didn't have to climb in a window. He didn't have to break in. He had a key. He he had the codes. And that's the kind of relationship we have with the Lord, unless you start messing around with sin. (laughs) And now you're hiding, and you're in the shadows, and you can't be honest anymore, and then you don't want to come in and out because you're not sure if you're going to get found out. And then if you started being dishonest, then you forgot what you said and when you said, and how, and it's just, it's the life of destruction. And when God offers us eternal life, it says in verse 9 that he gives us salvation. If you come through him, he'll save you. And if you come through him, you have freedom to come in and out. And then finally in verse 9, if you come to him, you'll find pasture. You'll be taken care of. You'll be protected. You'll have safety and security. And here we are as believers, safe, secure, strong, messing around with compromise and deception. For what? Think about that, would you? As he comes, he's not only an adversary, but he seeks to destroy you. That's what Peter said. He wants to devour you. That's what lions do. They devour. They take you out. They see you as lunch. Think that the next time a temptation of sin is placed before you that's so attractive, you just want to try it out. You just want to see what you've been warned against. Jesus, the good shepherd, gives life. He came to give and not take. And that's the mark of every true believer, generosity. And I don't just mean financially, like giving tithes and offerings. Generosity is far greater than that. Like the most generous people in our community should be followers of Jesus Christ. And the reason generosity comes is because we recognize how much God has given to us. We recognize that what, what life has been added to us. If you were born in a Christian home, that was a gift from God. If you were saved later in life and rescued, that was a gift from God. Like what do we have, the Bible says, that wasn't given to us by God? And because of our appreciation, we don't hoard things, we're generous. We're generous with our time, we're generous with our talents, we're generous with our money. And anyone that has been generous can give you the testimony that you will never be able to outgive God. You'll never even touch, you'll, you'll never even get to the edge of the kind of generosity that God gives to the person that's generous. Like the generous life is a free life where you're thinking of others more than yourself. Jesus came to give and not take, and that's the mark of his church. It says in verse 11 that he's the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The true servant of Jesus will give rather than take. He'll minister to rather than being ministered to. He's more interested in the welfare of the flock of God than in his own welfare and status. And then he adds another person now in verse 12. He adds a a phrase here that we don't use too much in our everyday life. I mean, I didn't even hear, I didn't even know this was a word until I read the Bible. So notice verse 12. But he who is a hireling and not the shepherd. So you can just circle that word hireling. It has the intent of that word hire. It's someone that's paid to do a job. And they're not the owner. They're paid to do a job. 
And, and in some, I looked it up actually during first service, and one of the, I wanted to look a little bit deeper on that word. I looked it up, and it actually even also refers to a mercenary that's just paid to do something, and then they're done. They're just paid to do something, and you know, mercenaries would be a, a hired fighter for war. A soldier for hire. They don't have any vested interest in the people. They don't, they're just there for the money. Okay, so that's, that's hireling. So notice it says, he who is a hireling and not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. So a person who owns the sheep has a deeper desire for the sheep than someone that doesn't, he's saying. Sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And then verse 13 is, I love the simplicity of the Bible. I know the Bible has some things that are hard to understand, but most things are pretty easy to understand. And verse 13 is a pretty easy statement. It's one of those statements that go, oh, really? Listen, verse 13, Jesus says, the hireling flees because he's a hireling. (laughs) It's like, that's what hirelings do. Hirelings run away. And doesn't care about the sheep. That's a hireling runs away, leaves the flock vulnerable, and doesn't care. You go, Ed, how can you say that? How do you know that? Because they ran away. They were there to be, even they were paid to take care of, and the money wasn't a big enough motive. Because only love will lead a person to lay down their life, not money. Money is a poor motivator, and money is a very temporary motivator. Love is the highest level of motive that you and I could ever have in serving God. Love will cause you to do things that you would never do otherwise. I think of the love of a mother, of a newborn baby. I think of, I, I think of in the Bible, where love would cause Jacob to work for years and years and years. And they just seem like days. Love is a great motivator. So much so, notice in John chapter 15, in verse 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So it's not just a shepherd, not just a pastor, not just in conflict with a hireling. Greater love is reflected in laying down your life. And of course, you're listening to me right now, very few of us have ever been asked to lay down our physical life on behalf of someone else. But day by day, there's that laying down of our life personally, giving, serving, denying ourselves taking up the cross, following Jesus, laying out our lives, like Paul said, like being poured out like a sacrifice on the service of your faith. Jesus is a good shepherd. He's not a hireling. And there's a big difference between a shepherd and a hireling. The shepherd loves the sheep. The hireling loves himself. The hireling lacks commitment and concern. At the slightest sight of danger or difficulty, the hiring looks out for himself and ultimately chooses to save himself, leaving the flock vulnerable. Ultimately choosing to watch out for himself, to choose the path that's easier for himself, not concerned with the flock. But Jesus, the good shepherd, he's not only concerned for the flock, but will go down first. And I was thinking about this crisis because we've adopted some language. I mean, we've had it around this church for a while, but the crisis is, has brought it to the forefront. And it's like, you know, we're going to succeed together or we're going to go down together. Like we're in this together. There's no doubt about it. We are in this together as the body of Christ. We're experiencing it differently. We're feeling it differently, but we're in this together. And so we would talk about, hey, we're going to succeed together or we're going to go down together. And that sounds noble and that sounds encouraging. But Jesus takes it one step further. 
Jesus would say this. He would say this. No, we don't go down together. I go down first. Before any of you, I go down first so you don't have to go down. And we're like, wow. That's the kind of love that moves a person. What do you mean? We're, well, no, we'll go down with you. And that was Peter's heart. He says, oh, no, no, no. You know, I'll protect you, Jesus. I, we'll do this. I'll go. No, 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 Peter. No, I'm going down first. I'm going down first. That's great love. I believe even today God is looking for shepherds for his people. He's looking for men and women with shepherd pastor's hearts that he places in leadership to love and protect the flock, to love and protect his church. God is not looking for hirelings. As a matter of fact, you don't need to look very hard for hirelings. Hirelings flee and run away at the slightest danger or difficulty. Hirelings aren't protecting the flock. They leave them vulnerable. God's not looking for hirelings. In the ministry, for themselves, he's looking for men and women with a shepherd's heart to care and minister for his sheep. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. That's why it's a calling. And it's not a profession. That's why we're not professionals. We're just under shepherds that have had this call of God placed upon our lives and our families' lives. And I used to tell my kids the same thing. I said, this calling is for us. I know you're going to find your own personal calling as you grow up. But for our family, this is what God wants our family to do. And I know you didn't get to choose what family you were born in, but God chose what family you were born in. And he knew. He knew what he wanted to do with your life. He knew the path that he wanted to take you. He knew where he wanted to lead you. And as he develops that calling in your life or where he's going to place you, he's going to do so under the context of the calling of your family. And you're in the family you're in by the will of God. You're in the family you're in by the will of God. I believe God is looking for men and women not interested in positions, but interested in people. I think he's looking for people that aren't losing sleep over titles, but over the terrible effects of sin. And unfortunately, there are just a lot of hirelings in churches today. You know, part of the interview process that I have when someone comes on and begins to take up the tithes and offerings to help support their family, one of the questions that I ask is, hey, let's talk about a pastor's heart. What's a pastor's heart? Somebody coming on as a pastor, that's a pretty predictable question, but someone that's just going to answer the phones, they're like, what do you mean, pastor's heart? Pastor's heart, I'm just going to answer the phones. Yeah, you're going to answer the phones. Yeah, exactly, you're going to answer the phones. So tell me about, about a pastor's heart. And so I'm going to give you the answer ahead of time. If you ever happen to be in an interview, I'm going to give you the answer I'm looking for. I'm looking for the word care. Because however you describe a pastor, however you describe a pastor's heart, you have to care. Not for yourself, but for others. And so care is the key word. And so answering the phone in a church is different than answering a phone at a dentist office. It's different. And now you need a pastor as a believer. You want to have a pastor's heart in the dentist office. But when people are calling the dentist office, they're saying, oh, I have cavities. Oh, I broke a tooth. Oh, I don't like dentist appointments. Oh, actually, that's just me when I call. But that's, uh, you're, it's a different type of call. When people call here, hey, my life is a wreck. My wife just left me. I'm in jail. I don't know what to do. I want to give my life to the Lord. And if you don't care, oh, wait a minute, let me just put you in a voicemail. Go do that at the doctor's office. If we're just going to use voicemail, we don't need a person to do it. No, we want a person there that has a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. When you're changing a light bulb, you need to be sensitive enough when you're changing a light bulb and somebody's knocking on the door desperate to talk to somebody and be prayed for. Like you have to care. If you don't care, you could be the best person putting in light bulbs, but you don't belong in the church. I'd rather change the light bulbs myself than to be surrounded with people who don't care. 
because God has laid out, Jesus says this, if you're a hireling, you're not gonna care. You're gonna run away when things get hard. Jesus says, no, verse 14, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. We know that he cares. And as the father knows me, verse 15, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. How many times does Jesus need to say what a shepherd does? I lay down my life for the sheep. There is cost, there is sacrifice. Jesus taught us in Luke's gospel about counting the cost. There is a cost involved serving the Lord, period. And there's a temptation to run away when things get hard. That could be a whole different Bible study from this section. There's always the temptation to care for myself more than others. Even as a pastor, having done this for many years, that temptation is always before me. It's always knocking on the door. My comfort and ease compared to the calling of God upon my life. Because it's not easy for anyone that enlists to serve the Lord in any area of life. And unfortunately, there are lots of hirelings in the church. It's not for me to understand their motives, but I can say that it grieves me to see people in leadership so easily give up. To see some who don't care about the flock, who use the church, to see others who use the church for their own benefit, to build up their own ego, to see many others take advantage of people and draw people after themselves, to see others not speak about sin or warn against false teaching because a shepherd warns and protects and serves and cares. So much so, notice what Jesus says as we close in verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Circle the phrase other sheep, and right next to it, Gentiles. Jesus is looking at the religious rulers and saying, you know what, God's will, and he could even say this, my will has always been that you're a light to the world. That it was God's intention to use the Israelites, the Jewish people, to be a light to all the nations around her. The Old Testament predicted that other nations would come to the light that Israel would show, but that they had failed to become this light. Instead, they became exclusive, not caring about the lost. But the heart of Jesus is, wait a minute, there are other sheep. And my question to you today is, do you see the other sheep? Do you see other sheep? Do you see the lost and the broken? It's tough to see through sin and depravity at times and difficulty. But can you see the Lord working and drawing people to himself? Can you see God working in your family with the gospel flowing through your life? Do you care about the lost? Think about this crisis for a second. Please think about it. This corona, COVID, all of this that we've been in. Are you more concerned about not meeting in a building, shaking your fist at the government, than the lost? Consider that. Because God will let us meet in a building again. And we don't need to shake our fist at the government. The church will always thrive. It doesn't matter what. A trip to China would show you that the underground church, as hard as it is, is thriving. A trip to South Korea would show you that right under the shadow of North Korea, did, I don't know if you guys knew this, but South Korea are sending missionaries to the United States of America. At least they were before travel was shut down. If the issues of your life don't involve the lost, then what's the point? Jesus says, there's a whole other fold that I'm going to bring in. Remember, there are three groups on the earth today, Jews, 
Gentiles and the church, our new identity is in Christ. Like we're not identified by what country we came from or what our first identity is citizens of heaven. We're in Christ. We are in the church. Then we have citizen of our country, of our, where we were born, our city and that such. But our identity is in Christ. And if you don't see the other sheep, then perhaps you need to be praying for a pastor's heart, a shepherd's heart. It's not a prayer that you would be a pastor. I'm not encouraging that. God will do that work in you. I'm not even asking you to pray that you'd pastor a church or be on some function of pastoral ministry. I'm asking you that you would pray for the heart of a pastor, that the sheep would have the shepherd's heart. Because that's what happens. When you hear the voice, remember everyone that's perfectly trained will what? Be like his master. So if you're hearing the shepherd's voice, then you're going to get the shepherd's heart. And when you have the shepherd's heart, you're going to care about the lost. You're actually going to care. You're going to have greater love because there's no greater love than to lay down your life. You're going to go down first. You're not going to go down necessarily together. You're going to go first. So you're going to be up front. You're going to protect the flock. And you're going to be in a place where, you know what? You're right. The church, our church, that church, this church, we need more pastors and shepherds, not hirelings. We don't want to run away at the first hint of difficulty. Let me share this last verse with you, and then I want to invite some of you into a relationship. Would you turn over to Hebrews chapter 10? Some of you, you're going to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ in just a few moments. But I've been meditating on this verse lately. We've already studied it in in our study in Hebrews, but would you go to Hebrews chapter 10? It's just been ministering to my heart recently. As I've been asking the Lord, what, what do I, I've been having things on my mind, I've been my prayer life, I've been praying a lot, and the Lord gave me this answer in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. And I think it's an answer for some of you that have also been asking. He says, you have need of endurance. That hupomone is the Greek, that ability to stand up under the weight. You want to run away, you want to go in another direction, you want to quit, and God says, no, what you have need of is endurance. Why? Number two, so that you can do the will of God. Isn't that what your heart is anyway? I just want to do the will of God. How can I do the will of God? Endurance. Where does endurance come from? It doesn't come from biting your tongue and working out and getting strong. Endurance is an inward work of the Holy Spirit. You have need of endurance. Why? So that you can do the will of God. And then notice number three, so you can receive the promise. And that's what chapter 11, this hall of faith, is all these men and women living by faith never received the promise on earth. They're enjoying it now, but they never got it on earth. They kept living for that city whose builder and maker is God. They had the eternal perspective. They had the heart of Jesus even before Messiah came on the scene. God wants you to have a shepherd's heart to endure, not to quit. Don't run away. Don't leave the flock vulnerable. Maybe this is a word to someone that's contemplating divorce. Don't leave the flock vulnerable. Work, get out. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. We trust you'll humbly look to the Lord for strength to endure. He will give it for he is the good shepherd. We'll hear more about our Lord shepherding care next time on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor's message is called Shepherds, Not Hirelings. And you can hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We've just released Pastor Ed's new book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. 
We all suffer and experience pain, and maybe for you that's been at an all-time high in recent months. God stands ready to help us when we experience a troubled heart. Perhaps you've experienced a deep grief or a painful trial recently, or know of someone who has. I know you'll be blessed and encouraged as you read God's help for the troubled heart. We'll send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we begin another year of delivering God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. One other thing you might want to check out if you're in the midst of grief or suffering is Pastor Ed's blog. He shares raw thoughts on life, ministry, and grief at edtaylor.org. Thank you for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.